Well, tonight, guys, we're going to talk about uh, expectations and maybe even having some wrong expectations when we, when we look at our, our Lord and Savior and some of the things that we ask for and some of the things that we wind up, some of the wrong expectations that we could have just from our own standpoint on whether or not it's fallen in line with what we want instead of maybe what God's will is for your life. So we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. Now, an expectation is a belief that something will happen or is likely to happen. So let's dive into this word after, after we pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I just thank you so much just for the opportunity, Lord, to be able to stand here and and Lord, just just be able to talk about you and and have you talk through. And God, I just I pray now that um, you just go before each and every one of us, Lord, that you keep the distractions at at a minimum, if not all gone completely, Lord. And I I pray, Lord, that you hide me behind your cross, Father, and that your words come out, Lord, and not my own. And I just I thank you for all these things and and your precious and holy Son's name, Amen. All right, Luke nineteen eleven through twenty seven. It says, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman, <clears throat> a certain nobleman into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. Have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept and put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you, because you are an austere man, like a serious man. You collected what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten. But they said to him, Master, he has ten. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, and slay them before me. So Jesus is given a parable here because the people have an expectation already. He's, he goes right off the bat into it. Or the very first verse in 11, he talks about 
Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So he's been teaching and the crowds have been following and now they're looking for, oh, well, he's told us about the kingdom of heaven and and it's coming and they think it's going to happen right now. So right off the bat, their expectation is wrong. We're supposed to put this money to work, Uh, Luke 19, 12 through 13. So 12 through 13, therefore he said a, certain, or said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered them to the 10 minas, and said, do business until I come. So the way he's looking at this through this parable is the king is going off, but he's giving each of his servants, each of his, the people up under him, a, the same portion. They're all getting one mina. It's a, it's a bit of money, but I don't want you to focus on that it's money. He's giving them something. He's giving them a gift that he wants them to do something with, much as God gave us a very important gift that centers around everything who we are and, and what we do and the reason why we serve him, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. He was that gift, and we all have that as long as we've been able to accept him and we invite him into our lives. We ask for the, for, for the forgiveness It's all that same gift that we can have. And so some Christians, when he says, put this money to work, he said, until I come back in Luke 19, 13. Some Christians use their spiritual, or their only spiritual goal is to get to heaven. Well, what happens when you're just trying to get to that one place? You're just trying to get from A to B. What about the journey? It takes a lot of steps to get from that A to B, to go through that the life that we have and that one life that we have to live here. And so he wants them to be able to put to work while he's gone so that when he returns, he's able to see the fruit or what's been gained from it. So the wrong expectations that we may have is that we're only trying to get to that A to B. We're just trying to get to heaven. That's our goal. God didn't send Jesus to die just so that we could get fire insurance. (laughs) and live our lives the way we want to live, accept them, and then turn our backs again. It's not how it was meant to be. It was meant to have that change, and that's also why the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. So salvation isn't some fire insurance, just something that you can cash in at the end of your life. It doesn't work that way. Jesus has a plan for all of us as me and as for your lives, and that's to do his work while we're here. And we live our lives, and we have our jobs, we have our friends, we hang out on the weekends, we go to restaurants, we have a life. But through all of that, he wants to be a part of it. Not just Sundays and Wednesdays when we come to church and sit down and dive into him, but every day. He wants us to start the day with him, to end the day with him, take him out to lunch with us, pray at the table, anything that you can do to include him in your life so that we're not wasting the gift that he's given us. So... When he says, get busy and do my work until I return. This is um, Luke 19.10. What is God's business? You may be asking yourself that. What's, what's God's business for my life? What am, what am I supposed to do? He's given me a gift, but what am I supposed to do with it? Well, just in the previous verse from before we started in 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, which was lost. Jesus came to seek out sinners share the good news, and transform people's lives for eternity, for the kingdom of God. Well, just like Jesus did, we have 
We have a great commission that, that he's given to each and every one of us to go out and to go forth. Now, the mission that Jesus had was to come and seek out sinners, to share the good news so that they can be transformed, so they can have that everlasting life. That's, that was his purpose for why he came. He wanted to expand that kingdom of God. Now, the minas in this parable is like the gospel. We all have that piece of the gospel that's the most important part if we have that personal salvation through Jesus Christ. And that's knowing that knowledge, having that knowledge of what he's done for each and every one of us. But what happens is sometimes we get, I hate saying this word in (laughs) the teaching setting, but I call it spiritual constipation. We take all this information in. We read our Bible. We come on Wednesdays. We come on Sundays. And then it just gets stuck. And then we have opportunities throughout our, our lives and throughout our days to share. And you even feel that pull on God. Some, a friend comes up and asks a question, but you don't want to answer it because you don't want to have, you're worried that you may not have the answer. Or they may ask something that you don't understand. Well, guys, we don't have to have all the answers. That's the beauty of it. It's perfectly acceptable to say, I don't know. I'm going to find out for you. Let me pray about it. I'll go look in the Bible. I'll get back to you. That's perfectly acceptable. Instead of just keeping it all inside, share what you do know. Share the Great Commission. Share that Jesus Christ came for one and all to, to die and to save us from our sins. So every Christ follower has that equal responsibility to share and that opportunity to share the gospel. But another wrong expectation that we have is some Christians think that they're not responsible to share the gospel. And a lot of this happens through our own excuses. Uh, we, we joke about with Mike and JJ and all, we have this yeah, but monster. And the yeah, but is, it's our excuses. Like, well, I have this thing at church, we could really use your help to come help out. Yeah, but I, I got to work. Yeah, but I got to watch the kids. I, I, yeah, but we, we come up with anything that we can to justify not being here or not getting into the Word, or spending that time with God. We let ourselves get so busy that we're getting in our own way. And all He wants us to do is slow down, spend some time with Him, see where His will is for your life, and live it. So don't have the wrong expectation that you don't think it's your responsibility to share the gospel. The Great Commission proves that expectation wrong. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20 says, "...go therefore and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love this verse, or verses. It starts with a command and then a promise, and then he ends it with, I'm never going to leave you. So no matter how the devil plays tricks on your mind or puts doubts in there that you're not good enough, you don't know enough, you can't do that, it's out of your realm, you're, you're not a pastor, you can't go and talk to them about that. Guys, that's, that's lies. If you know this word and this word is implanted in you, those answers will come. I can't, I, Mike knows, I can't explain it. I, I don't think JJ or any of the other guys that teach, you'll be asked a question and all of a sudden you'll remember something that, that God shared with you from his word, and it just comes out. It happens. It's amazing, but it takes that faith that we have to trust in our Heavenly Father, that he is, just like he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I don't know about y'all, but to me, that's, that's forever. 
Isn't that such a nice feeling to know that he's with us always? No matter how difficult your situations are, how rough it is, he's still there. It may be hard to sometimes find him through, through some of the fog and the darkness, but he's that light shining steady and true, always trying to guide your path, guys, as long as we, like I said, don't get in the way. Now, I'll go further in Luke. So we're going to look at uh, Luke nineteen fourteen and 15. It says, But the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was he returned. Having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. When I was reading through this and praying through it and looking at some other commentaries, this is, this is a very good example of judgment. He's calling his servants back to him. The king has returned home. He's, he, he's returned back. And now it's, it's time for judgment. Just like at the end of times when we get called, we're going to stand before judgment. And so he's asking, he goes, I've given you a gift. What have you done with it? How much have you made in return? Now, again, I want you to get away from thinking of it as just the meanest and money. I mean, it's, the gift is salvation that he's given us, and that salvation that we get to share. And I have no doubt he's going to ask, what did you do with that gift that I gave you? And hopefully we can say kind of like Paul and have him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then we can say and honestly say that, God, I did everything I could, or I tried, I tried my best. Instead of having that yeah, bud monster come up and having to look at all your excuses when we go through judgment, and he's like, well, what about this time? What about this time? What about this time? I want to have as few of those as I can. So it's almost having to have blinders on that we can focus on God and focus on the cross because the world's going to pull us in every different direction. And the problem is, is we're so trained on getting everything now. We have our phones. We got Google. If I want an answer, I type into Google. It's there. My wife proves me wrong with it constantly. I hate it. I honestly believe that Google is a tool of the devil. <laughs> I used to never be wrong, or at least I thought I wasn't. No, she proves me wrong all the time. But we're used to getting everything just right there. It's all at the tip of our fingers. We can go search for it. We can find it. We can order it off Amazon and have it shipped right to your house. But guys, one thing we can't find on our own is salvation. We can't find that pathway through sin and through death. We, we can't do that on our own. Jesus Christ is the only one that bridges that gap for us. But it comes from accepting that gift. And for you to accept it, you actually have to do something. You have to receive, right? It has to be something that you're taking in. And so these people are going through judgment. He wants to know. It's, he's counting the cost right now. Furthermore, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad, it always, I always hung up on that. It's not just the bad things he's going to go through and you're going to see it's you're going to see the good things it's going to pass through a holy fire and only the the heavenly things and the done, things done for the body of Christ and for the kingdom of heaven are going to remain 
And unfortunately for a lot of us, it's going to be not until that point that we see that some of the things that we sought so hard after wasn't really worth anything. How much time do we spend on our phones or seeking after the promotion or trying to work as much as you can to provide? I'm guilty of it. It's one of those catch-22 kind of things, but it's, it's where your motives are in it. It's, it comes down to a heart condition. Why are you doing it? Why are you seeking after those? Is it to put God first or is it to put yourself Remember, we get in our way, and we get in God's way. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. As everything that we have are gifts from God. The song that we just sang, the last one, where it talks about the breath in our lungs, it's his breath in our lungs. The breath you just took, it, you borrowed it from him. Everything's his. So when we get our our pridefulness comes on and it's like, well, I didn't ask for help in this. I did this. I did that. No, you did that because he gave you the strength that you had to do it. But imagine how much more you would have had or how many more blessings you would get if we asked. And we stopped relying on our own strength and we started relying on his. That's when we're really going to get stuff done for the kingdom. And for his will. Luke nineteen, sixteen through nineteen. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five. Likewise he said to him, You also be over five cities. The faithful servant obeyed because they trusted their master and they wanted to please him. God rewards the faithful. He rewards the productive that are doing the things for his will and that are lining up. The problem comes is when we're praying or we're asking God for something and his answer is not yet. Just wait. That's the most frustrating time in a Christian's life because then we don't know. We feel like we're in limbo. And like I said before, we're so accustomed to getting answers right now. I can go look anything up right now. But I can't type in Google, God, what's the purpose for my life, and have it spit out an answer that means anything. (laughs) It'd be funny if it did. I'm I'm actually tempted to try that now, just to see what pops up. (laughs) But it, it won't give you an answer that you can depend on. The only words that we can depend on, guys, is is the word of Jesus Christ, this Bible. That's our foundation. He's our rock. It's like the guy that built his house on the sand. That might as well be your Google. You build your house on the sand. Those winds come, the rains pour, the floods. The house is going to get ripped apart and sink. It won't, be, it won't stand. But if we're grounded in this word and we're taking it in day in and day out and making him a part of our lives to make that conscious effort to make him the center of our lives, everything else will fall into place. All your wants and all the so-called needs that you think you have, they get prioritized, and they get put in line. And then we mess it up again, and he has to correct us, and it's, it's a cycle, and it keeps going. But what matters is what you do after you do mess up. Are you going to keep going in the same route, or are you going to fix it? Dust yourself off, make your 
apologies to whoever it needs to be to or to God and, and move on. We're all going to mess up. We all have that sin nature. It's inevitable, unfortunately. But God rewards the faithful and productive sermons with more responsibility. The more and more I get involved in ministry, the more responsibilities that come on. Uh, the more and more you share with Christ, the more responsibilities, because then you get to go up and help raise, raise those people to make them or help them become more mature Christians. You get to follow up with them. It's a, it's a fun journey. It's John 4.34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. We get purpose and fulfillment in our lives, true purpose and fulfillment, from doing what God has called us to do. You ever gone off on your own little path thinking maybe God led you down there and led you to go do something and then find out you were sorely mistaken? Yeah, I've had it happen. It's it's not a fun experience, but the good thing is, is as long as God was a part of it, it's not wasted. It's still for a purpose. Just like uh, James chapter 1, when he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Guys, hard things are going to come, but he goes on further in the verse because the testing of your faith will develop you. It gives you maturity so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. It's all for a purpose. And once we can see and stop playing the blame game as, well, it's not my fault I'm having to go through this. This person wronged me. Why do I have to deal with it? When we stop having that mindset and honestly the selfish mindset of why me, why me, and starts, why not me? Just think about it. Every breath you take is his. Everything you have is his. People ask, well, why, why do bad things happen? Guys, it gives you the opportunity to trust and to see what his will is in your life. It's all for a purpose. It's all for a reason. Things don't just happen just willy-nilly and out of nowhere. He has a plan and he has a purpose for each and every one of us. In Luke 19, back to the scripture, 20 and 21, Then another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept. Put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you, because you were a austere, serious man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. How we view God, guys, affects our attitude in serving him. How do you view your God? Is he truly the center of your life? Is he omnipotent, all-powerful? Is he that God? Or are you putting limitations on him based off of our own desires? Well, God doesn't love me because he doesn't answer my prayer for the new Lamborghini that I wanted. I mean, I know that's an outlandish desire, but some people have things. Some of them can be very small. My God, I just want my mother healed. I just want my parents to get back together. It can be something so small or something so big. But then we put our expectations on God, and when it doesn't line up with his will, that's when we have our wrong expectation. We think God's going to do something because it's what we want, but we forget he has a plan. He knows everything. And sometimes we just have to wait and be patient until it comes in line or comes clear onto what path we have to take. Luke 19.22 says, He said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, 
collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. He's so angry with this servant because he wasted his time. He wasted his opportunities to better himself and to better, better the king. When we waste those opportunities, we don't get them back. I mean, if you're lucky, you may, you may get that second chance to share with someone. Or it may just be that afterthought that you had, like, man, I really should have said more. I should have just said something. The highest form of selfishness is someone who is content to go to heaven alone. To have that ultimate where you just don't share at all. You know the good news. You've sh- you know what it, what it takes to be saved. You know who Jesus Christ is. But every time there's an opportunity, you shy away. You let fear take over or whatever your yeah but is. I was going to share, but yeah. Uh, I, whatever your excuse is, he wants you to get rid of them. He wants you to have that spirit of boldness. You know the truth. Share it. Luke nineteen twenty three and 24 says, Why then did you not put my money in the bank? That, were, that at my coming, I might collect it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take this mina from him and give it to him who has ten. Now notice he also suffered a loss because of the gap between his God-given potential and his performance. They were as far apart as you could. He had the same amount that the guy that had ten had that he started with and the same amount that the guy who had five minas. Had the same amount of gifts. They all started with one. We all start with that one gift once, our, once we take that salvation, once we receive it. We all have that gift. Don't suffer because of that gap between God's potential and our performance. Instead, give over to it. Everybody says, go fill your cup. Your, you go to church and get your cup filled. I say throw away the cup and lay down in those streams that... God can just wash over you. Think of all the blessings that we miss out on just because we don't ask. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go ask for that Lamborghini and it's going to be in your driveway. Remember, it all has to line up with his will. But we miss out on so much because we just don't ask for it. Or we don't take the time to have that relationship get closer with him. Luke 19, 25 and 26. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. He says, for I say to you, everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. If we squander our gifts, they may not be gifts to us for very long. If we waste them and don't use them, they kind of just go away. First John 2.28, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. As that's what my prayer is for all of us, is that we can, at that day of judgment, whether he comes back before or whether we go to meet him, whichever happens, is that each and every one of us will have that opportunity to have him say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. You ran the race. You finished strong. You've got to continue in him. You've got to stay on mission. Remember Jesus' mission at the very beginning. It's to go share. He shared about his father. We're sharing about ours. We're sharing about his son and what he's done for each and every one of us. 
Continue to keep your head down. Work hard for the kingdom. And live with the end in mind. Every day is a gift. Everything's, it's not guaranteed. It's not promised. We don't know we're going to have tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to have the next five minutes. So live with the end in mind. Jesus is coming back. Whether it's in our lifetime or not. But either way, we're all going to go and meet him. We're all going to stand in judgment. And the last verse, 1927. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. As you remember back in Matthew when we read the Great Commission, he talked about he's with you always. You're going to have enemies rise up against you. Some will be stronger than others. Some will be more difficult to overcome. Now, it doesn't have to be physical enemies. It can be anything from a drug addiction or alcohol or pornography, anything that takes the place of his, that makes us miss the mark. Those are all enemies that are coming into your life. He's saying if you bring them to him, he'll get rid of them. But it takes an effort on our part. You can't use your your faith as fire insurance, your salvation as fire insurance, and be like, I'm just going to get as close to that as I can and not expect to get burned. It's not a fail-safe policy. It's not a safety net. It's a commitment and a relationship that we've accepted into our lives and there should be a change and you'll be known by your fruits so live with the end in mind and remember that verse in Matthew the great commission that go therefore and make disciples you ever want to know I don't just don't know what God's will is for my life he just told you go and share about me oh him not me and he'll be with you till the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just again thank you so much for just the time that, that we get to spend uh, just diving deeper into you, Lord, and talking more and more about you, Father. And it's it's just such a blessing that we live in a place that we're able to do this, Father. And I just I pray for a spirit of boldness to come over each and every one of these these people here, Lord, and the ones that couldn't make it, Father, that they... They won't be ashamed or have fear that they'll have that spirit of boldness, Lord. And I just pray that you put that hedge of protection and bind the enemy, Father. Then don't let the yeah, but monster take over, Lord, but let your will be done and be accomplished day in and day out. And we ask all these in your precious and holy son's name.